Have you been waiting for just the right job? Then welcome to the end of your search. Amazon has seasonal warehouse jobs in your area, and now is a great time to apply. You can start getting paid right away and work close to home. Applying is easy. You don't even need an interview. So what are you waiting for? Come join the team and get a great seasonal job offer today. Visit Amazon.com slash hiring. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer. As an agribusiness expert with Alliant Energy and a farmer, I know how important it is to get the most out of your land. I know that also applies to getting the most out of how your farm uses energy. That's why Alliant Energy offers free farm energy assessments. With a farm energy assessment, someone like me will find all kinds of ways to help you save money and energy. We can even connect you with rebates to help make energy equipment upgrades even more affordable. Schedule your free assessment at AlliantEnergy.com slash Farm Energy Assessment. Today, Carl and Nick preview the Broncos' Week 12 matchup as the Denver Broncos travel out to the Black Hole to face the Oakland Raiders. You are listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast. Welcome to the Huddle Up! Podcast, your go-to show for all things Broncos. Once again, Broncos country, it is time to huddle up. I am Carl Dumbler, and with me, as always, I have Mr. Nick Kendall. Nick, it has happened. My boy Paxton is is getting his chance. And honestly, this is the first time I've been excited about a Bronco game probably in the last four weeks. Have they confirmed it officially? I don't know. Mike, Mike <laughs> Cliss might uh, have something to say about that. If they have confirmed it, the quarterbacks don't know yet. Oh, my goodness. Oh, that, that guy. If you, if you have Twitter... Please go look at the Mike Kliss timeline. As we're recording this, he is he's absolutely losing it right now. The fact that local bloggers got the, the news scoop before he did, or at least got to post it before he did. Oh my goodness, this is uh, uh what what was it that he did before the don't don't DM Nikki don't or something? Don't confirm to Nikki. Don't confirm yeah. to Nikki. That's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Dude so. is extra salty and petty. Yeah, he really is. Oh my goodness! I remember uh, it was Colin Coward. He did the same thing to to Benjamin Albright. If you get a chance to follow Benjamin Albright, he's he's usually one of the the first people to know anything that's going on with the Broncos. He's he's right most of the time. I remember Colin Coward on national TV on his show got after him, and he's like, "Who is this Benjamin Albright? This local guy from Denver getting a scoop on? I think it was on Darnold." Yep, it was on was, Darnold. Yeah, he was the first one to kind of say, I think he's going back and he's heard pretty good sources that, that Darnold's going to return. And it sounds like some things have maybe changed in that area. We don't know quite yet. We'll see. I think it's kind of a week-to-week thing with Darnold. And I, I don't blame him. It's kind of hard to know exactly what the right call is on that. But anyway, Coward was just getting after him, kind of doing the whole, hey, he's a local blogger. I don't, what does he know living in, in Denver? And <laughs> oh yeah, these national guys, they just, they don't like not being first. That's for sure. Yeah, they, I mean, it's just a whole bunch of salt and pettiness and quite funny from the outside. So I, I changed my Twitter handle. Well, not my Twitter handle, but the, uh, I don't know the differences between the Twitter handle and like the, the name that you present yourself as. Because I'm at Nick Kendall, MHH still, but now I'm non-local blogger Nick Kendall. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, I'm actually only one state off from you here, buddy. I'm actually pretty close to the Iowa state line. 
So we're, we're broadcasting pretty close to each other here. Go Hawks. <laughs> Although I don't want to say that too loud. We've been playing like, but you know, who are they playing this week? Uh, Nebraska. Ugh. Oh boy. Yeah. That's <laughs> Two teams that are not playing well down the stretch. Let me tell you. My, my brother and sister-in-law are, are going to that game on Saturday. Friday. Friday, Friday. Yes. Friday. Yeah. Sorry. Be a cold one. Be first team to 10 points wins. There you go. Not Definitely feels fun. that way. Yeah. Hopefully your, your quarterback shows up again. Oh my gosh. He's honestly, he didn't even play that terribly. It's just, I don't want to make this a Hawkeye podcast or whatever, but bad play calling, I would say. They have like 20 of the first 22 first downs called were runs. First down, why don't you throw a tendency breaker in there if you got one-on-one on the outside. But then you have the issue of wide receivers dropping balls. We had seven drop passes. Yes, yeah, seven. Ugh. Yeah, not pretty. But anyway, back to the Broncos. Yes, Paxton Lynch, most likely... 95, 90, let's just say 99% because it's it's pretty much going to happen. Paxton Lynch is the starter this week, and I could not be more excited. I When I, I started seeing that show up on Twitter, and you and I have known this most likely from about 24 hours ago. We've had some of our, our people telling us that this was going to happen. And uh, so I've been doing a happy dance. My wife kept telling me, you know, stay calm till it's actually confirmed by the team. She's like, I don't want you to get your hopes up. And then all of a sudden, here it is, dashed once again. Because this year, it seems like everything that they were supposed to do, they've done the exact opposite. But I think they're going to get this one right. We'll see if it's the right call. The play on the field will determine that. But I'm still... I mean, it is the right call to play him, but I'm still... The jury is very much out whether it was the the right pick. So we'll see. Right. We got six games. And great job on that piece that you wrote where things to watch for, just an educated fans viewer guide for what to watch for with Paxton coming in. You should definitely hit that up on Twitter after we're done recording this. Appreciate that. Yeah, no, that was that was a fun one to write. I thought about turning it into a film piece, but I just thought, eh, the, it just it gets a little bit more complicated doing that. So left that out. Maybe I'll time, yeah. maybe I'll do a film piece after the game and show maybe some areas either he showed that he met my expectations or or what he needs to show or maybe where he showed he isn't going to be that guy. Uh, I'll think on that one. I, I think I can pull that one out. So anyway, this show's focus is all things that pertain to your Denver Broncos. We'll be bringing you the game previews every single week to get you ready for the upcoming game and how to be watching the game, hopefully, as a smarter fan. With Nick and myself being film junkies, junkies, we'll be bringing you these previews with a scout-based perspective, breaking down the matchups from a player skill set and X's and O's perspective. You can follow myself on Twitter at Carl Dimmler MHH, as well as follow Nick at Nick Kindle MHH. And be sure to tweet us any questions or opinions you have because we lived for talking Bronco football, especially Paxton Lynch. You can also follow the podcast Twitter account at HuddleUpPod and make sure you check ours and our co-writers written content at MileHighHuddle.com, a part of Scout.com and an affiliate of the CBS Sports Digital Network. Now, we know you listeners are as football and Bronco crazy as we are, so please give us a click and subscribe to us on iTunes as well as Stitcher. And don't forget to share us on Facebook and Twitter. We wouldn't be here today without you listeners, so please take the time to rate and subscribe to let your voices be heard on how you enjoy the show. Now, we have a lot to get to today, but first, we want to say thank you to our, our sponsor, Rep the Squad, and draw your attention to one of the coolest services for a Broncos fan out there. Rep the Squad is a jersey subscription club that lets you rep every jersey you want with hundreds of jerseys. Rep the Squad lets you switch between your favorite stars and styles whenever you like. Adult members are $19.95 per month, and youth are $16.95 per month. New jerseys arrive fresh and clean in two to three days. It's, it's like Netflix for jerseys. Rep the Squad allows you to rep the Orange Crush all season long, no matter if it's a home jersey, away, or alternate. Free shipping both ways. Cancel any time. Your promotion code HUDDLE 
That's H-U-D-D-L-E to get 50% off your first month at RepTheSquad.com. That's promo code HUDDLE at RepTheSquad.com. I might actually have to use that to get myself a Paxton Lynch jersey. Yeah, there you go. That 50% off, man, that's that's key. And you know how yeah. players are always, you know, it seems like today, especially in the NFL, you know, you have a favorite player and then they're gone after two years and you just bought that fresh, clean jersey. This is a perfect way to make sure you're keeping them fresh and clean and up to date with the newest players. So it's, I think it's a brilliant idea. I'm excited to, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm excited to use it myself. No, it's with Paxton Lynch maybe being gone after six weeks. Not like I want to go spend big money on a, a new jersey and then see the guy gone. There, there's nothing like that. I've always kind of gone more towards the uh, the guys that have been here for a long time. I got my John Elway jersey after our first Super Bowl win. Got my Terrell Davis after our second Super Bowl win. Unfortunately, Terrell Davis got injured after that. But still, those are, are my two Bronco jerseys I have right now. And I've always kind of thought about, I need I need to get another one. But who do I get? And so this gives me an opportunity to, to kind of test them out. And uh, so, yeah, Bronco fans, get on there. Make sure to get the, the promo code HUDDLE in there. And you'll get yourself a nice little discount. But let's get to the game here because that's what you listeners are here for. And of course, it is Raiders week. And even with the Raiders having been so terrible for so long, other than last year, these are still the games I absolutely love to see the Broncos win. Even more than the Chiefs, even more than the Chargers. I just love seeing the Broncos beat the Raiders. And and I grew up in the Shanahan time. That that's that's the era that that I really got to see the Broncos shine and and just see Shanahan pass on that passion for beating the Raiders. It, it, it's really stuck with me. And and I guess it's just it's it's been fun this year for me, at least as long as it, even with the Broncos being terrible, at least the Raiders are, too. How many national people were picking the Raiders to go to the Super Bowl this year? Quite a few. And so to be where we are now, where they're pretty much about in the same boat as the Broncos, just kind of cracks me up to see Raiders fans kind of going, what what happened? Why are we here? Yeah, at least, I mean, we kind of had an idea that we were going to stink. I'm surprised the Raiders have stunk this bad. But when you're as poor as they are in the back end of the defense and this being a passing league and you don't really have anybody on that defense besides Cleo Mack as, you know, blue chip kind of guys, you're going to struggle. And we're seeing that right now. That's for sure. And I kept trying to tell Raiders fans they had a lot of fluky wins last year, just bounces that really went their way. A lot of one score games. And they kept telling me it was all because Derek Carr is this, this clutch quarterback. And the stats revealed that he was, that they were winning games that at a a streak that even the most clutch quarterbacks don't win games. So either he was going to be the most clutch quarterback in NFL history, or we were going to see exactly what's happening to them right now of just a little bit of a downfall. And I don't know, like I said, it's just kind of, kind of fun to see a little bit with them. And there's one player, I don't know, maybe this is just a little bit of of Tlaib making me not like, like this guy, but Michael Crabtree and, and we're going to get here into our, our key matchups, but I was thinking about it this week of who is my least favorite Raiders player. I can't really hate Derek Carr because he's such a nice guy. Plus, if you ever get a chance, go watch his music video. It is. Have you seen it? Yeah, it's God awful. It's funny, but it's, 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 it is, it is. He's wearing a a, a jean jacket and oh my goodness. Yeah. Go check that out. If you can find it on YouTube. So I can't really hate him because he's just kind of a, a funny guy. Nice guy. Khalil Mack. I think it's more respect than hate. I just really respect what he does with this game. It's, it's very impressive. And so for me, it's the most, or the, my least favorite player on the Raiders team, I think is Michael Crabtree. I don't yeah. know, do you do you have a least favorite one? Probably 
probably Donald Penn. Okay. Just because of that huge incident with the fan where he came out of his car, I thought he kind of came off as a dummy, and sometimes he comes off as kind of a, a dummy on there. And also, just it's easy to hate some of those big uglies up there. I love the big uglies, but then when you pay attention to that, you you grow to hate those other guys. Also, I mean, Colicio Semele, I guess, is another one, but that's more because now he's a Raider and he went to Iowa State, so that's that's a double whammy. So okay. he can screw off as far as I. I mean, great great talent, but that's that's a double whammy. There's no coming back from that. Right. Right. I get that. Yeah. Now for me, it's, it's Crabtree. And, and so that kind of brings us here into our, our first key matchup for this game. And it is Michael Crabtree and Amari Cooper versus Tlaib, Harris, and Roby. And beyond maybe the quarterbacks this year, I would put this trio as the second most disappointing group for the for the Broncos. Just because of the expectations of what we've come to expect of them being the best trio of cornerbacks in the NFL. And I mean, they've given up nine touchdowns already this year, the three of them. It's just it's been such a huge turn turnaround from being top unit to not worst but but average. I would say they they just haven't really performed. I saw Talib get beat by some pretty average wide receivers for the Bengals. Roby he got abused this last game for about what was it two touchdowns? Yeah, and even Harris, I've seen him way out of position on a few plays. I've seen him. All of a sudden, he's on the ground because his feet got twisted up because a player was able to do a great route against him. And I just, I don't know, I've been very, very disappointed in this unit. So I put this as a key matchup just because these guys got to start performing better. The defense can't sit here and blame the offense for all the problems or special teams. Those units have been bad, but defense hasn't been great either lately, especially. Bengals game, they did better, but it's still not 2015, 2016 expectations, I would say. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Roby has had a pretty solid year overall. He's probably been one that has at least lived up to expectations for me. He stunk against the Bengals. I think he gave up only four receptions, but two of those were for touchdowns. So definitely not his best game. That said, I had higher expectations for Tlaib and Chris Harris, and they just haven't been as consistent as we'd hoped. Now, part of that has to do with the Broncos' pass rush. Our pass rush has definitely taken a step back. Shane Ray is playing worse than he did last year as a pass rusher, still struggling against the run. And you also see Barrett, who's, you know, really good defending the run. And he's solid against uh, as a pass rusher, but not elite. So, and then to top that all off, we're getting practically zero interior pass rush. I did see some last week with uh, Derek Wolf making some plays, but Adam Gotsis is not offering really much as a pass rusher. We don't have, uh, Shelby Harris doesn't really offer much as an interior pass rusher. And Pekka wasn't brought in for that role. Pekka's doing a phenomenal job eating up blocks and disrupting run lanes, but... As a pass rusher, specifically from the inside, we're just not getting it done. And that's I think that's definitely has a big impact on the corners performance struggling more this season. Also, I think the Broncos run defense being better and a bit more stout has a lot to do with the uh, pass defense looking a little worse because Denver's pass defense is really good, but the run defense is atrocious. So let's just attack that. Run defense is a little better now, so teams are for, forced to go other ways. And it's making the pass defense look a little worse than they are talent-wise. And then finally, obviously, I think I think the dam finally broke. You know, I made that uh, reference the other day of the the Dutch boy with his finger in the dam trying to stop the leak from the whole thing, you know, collapsing. And that's what the defense has been all these years. And the dam finally broke. And you're seeing them play lack of discipline. You know, their heads really doesn't seem to be in it as much. They're trying to make plays happen, you know, freelancing, so to speak. And it's it creates bigger plays for the opposing offenses. And that's, I think, a big part as well. So. Really, they're still talent. They're better talent-wise than they've been showing this year. Also, losing Wade obviously probably has a part part to do with it. With Joe Woods kind of still, you know, figuring out what he is as a defensive coordinator. But yeah, it's definitely been a uh, more disappointing unit. But their last, I would say, great game they had was against the Raiders in Denver. So 
and with how terrible the Raiders played last week and Derek Carr throwing at some turnovers and just Raiders looking totally out of whack, I think that this is a week where the no-fly zone can get back on track. Definitely. And and I, w- I would say the same thing for Crabtree and Cooper for the Raiders of being in that disappointing area of things. Last year, one of the more explosive offenses and Crabtree and Cooper both making plays down the field, making tough catches and 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 just looking like a, a good one-two punch in the NFL. And this is what blows me away. They are not the top receiving option in Oakland right now when we're talking about receiving yards. Can you guess who that would actually be? The most receiving yards for the Raiders. It's not Holmes, is it? No, it's Jared Cook, their Jared tight Cook end. Wow. In yards. That really surprises me. Yeah, he has 535 yards, and, and Cooper and Crabtree aren't far behind. But for being, you know, Crabtree was supposed to be that really big-time breakout wide receiver. Fantasy football fans out there, some people are saying he should go in the first round, second round kind of area. Cooper, he's always kind of been that great reception, you know, a lot of touchdowns, things like that. And this year, neither of them have really lived up to that. Cooper's been, or, or Crabtree, sorry, Crabtree's been pretty good. He, he's still been that solid wide receiver kind of what he's been since he's been at the the Raiders that solid number two for them but Cooper he has just disappeared I I don't think Carr even trusts him anymore with all of his drops I think he has over 10 drops already this year leading the NFL and he's just he's not looking like that top five pick wide receiver that they they used what was it 2014 2015 uh, yeah, one of those two years, not yeah, for sure. Right. So it just, this guy that was supposed to be their elite wide receiver and everybody kept talking about how this guy's going to break out and he just, he's not been there. He's been, he's really regressed. I, I think I saw something in the last like 16 games. He's only got like six, 700 yards receiving for a number one. That's not what you want, especially for an offense that's supposed to be as explosive as they are. That has maybe the best pass blocking offensive line in the NFL. It's just been it's just been terrible and their whole offense is just not even close to what it was last year and and it makes me think a little bit of maybe they uh kind of fell into the same thing with us with with Woods of getting scared of seeing a young coaching prospect walk out the door to another team and so then we let go of the of the veteran and so they let go of let go of Musgraves who's our offensive coordinator now and I'm just kind of wondering if maybe he was the guy that really knew how to design the plays I'm not saying Things would be, you know, tons better for them compared to years past, but or to the year before, because he can't control Cooper dropping passes. The offensive coordinator there right now can't. It's been a noticeable drop off since Musgrave walked out the door. Yeah. College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at a $1,000 savings plan deposit for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. I agree with you, and I don't know if it's a head game with Cooper or whatever. His routes are still great, but, man, that dude drops footballs like his name is Demarius Thompson. I'm just kidding. Demarius Thompson isn't that bad. <laughs> I'm just feeding the trolls. But, yeah, no, he's been really struggling, and I I don't know what it is. He's a very talented receiver still. I never thought he was a obvious wide receiver one in this league. I thought he was more of a complimentary, talented wide receiver who could play inside, outside just because he was so clean. A very solid athlete, but no real, real super elite traits besides his route running. But I didn't, I didn't expect them to struggle this much, especially with a solid offensive line and a solid quarterback. So I'm not sure what's going on with him in that regard. It could just be a head game or something, but definitely definitely surprising because he is a very talented player. And I don't see him you know, getting much better this week because I think the Broncos, especially the cornerbacks, are out for blood. And 
you know, these guys are playing for future jobs at this point. There's a lot of rumors circling around the Tlaib won't be here next year. So if he's cut, he's looking to make some more money next time and uh, maybe, you know, get trade, traded to a better spot as well. And Harris obviously is going to be back next year. Roby looking for that big payday. So these guys are going to have to fight not just for, you know, it's not just about the, the Broncos at this point. It's, you know, as selfish as it sounds, but it's a business. These guys got to take care of themselves and they got to put out some good tape this season because their future uh, ability to make money in this sport depends on it. I was, I was listening to an interview with Derek Wolf uh, yesterday, and he was talking about that very thing because they'd ask him, what do you play for now? He said, well, we play for each other and we play for our families because jobs are on the line. Teams are going to be watching these last seven games. How did you perform? How did you stick with it? They're going to see the the mental toughness of, of the players. And so there, there's still plenty to play for beyond just trying to learn what we have in some of the younger players. Even the veterans, they have a lot to play for. Like you said, some of them, it's not just that they're playing for, for the Broncos. It's playing for their next job and how much money they're going to be able to make. So, yeah, it'll be an interesting matchup. Two units that have really been struggling and see which one is, is able to come out on top. I, I like the chances of our group just because they're professionals. They're all pro level. I just think they're going to rise to the occasion. And I think there's just going to be some some major shakeups. I, I think there really was kind of a wake-up call this week of letting go of, of McCoy, some players that have been cut lately, like Derby. It's just, it's there. It's happening. Broncos aren't waiting around. They're not showing patience on, on hey, we're going to wait to see if you turn this around. No, it's you mess up. See you later. Yeah. There's there's expectations. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you think, uh, what do you think we're going to use matchup-wise against this decently talented wide receiver duo with our talented what cornerback trio? Even if they are underperforming, they're obviously still talented. It's easy to see on tape. But how would you match it up? I'd go Tlaib versus Crabtree. Ooh, chain yanking. Yeah, it's Crabtree just, he's not, he's not the faster receiver. He's not the quicker receiver. He's the kind of physical I'm going to bully you down the the field kind of guy. And Tlaib this year, he just looks so much slower this year. He doesn't look like he's the guy that can really break on the ball as quick as he was last year, at least. I, I don't know what's going on with that. It just, against the, the Bengals, there's one play. It was a third down late in the game. Good chance for the Broncos to get the ball back. And Crabtree's going against pretty much a no-name wide receiver. I had to kind of look up. I can't remember his name now. But he makes the catch against Crabtree. I mean, it was an easy route. It was one that we've seen Tlaib cover so well that he's been able to watch the quarterback break on the ball and even take some of those kind of for a, for a touchdown. And, and he was about two steps behind the wide receiver, giving up a big first down. And so, again, I, I just think that's the easier matchup for Tlaib is Crabtree. And they usually like to keep Crabtree on that right side of the offense anyway. And then Cooper, I'd rather see Harris against him than Roby. Cooper's the kind of wide receiver that can give Roby a lot of trouble with his route running. Roby can really get caught guessing. I guess is maybe the best way to say it. And when he gets caught guessing of trying to jump a route, wide receiver does the double move, catch it upfield. It just, I don't think that's one of his better matchups for him. So I'd rather see Harris on him, just a little bit more technical, a little bit better to, ability to keep the wide receiver in front of him. And, and to me, with Cooper, the big thing is if you can hit him right after he's supposed to be catching the football, you can really scare him into those drops. So I feel like Harris is that better matchup. I absolutely agree with you. I don't really have too much to add. I would like to see Roby get some time on both of them, just because, again, like if you read my article last week or listening to the podcast, it is that player evaluation time, and if the team is moving on from Tlaib, 
Roby's got to show he can be a boundary corner. He can't just be that corner three. He needs to be a guy that can hang on the outside. And he's a little bit, he's very quick twitched, but he's a little bit stiffer in the hips and he can get beat on double moves down the field. So even though it's not the best, probably, you know, trying to win the game, we have to see what he can do and if he can improve are going to pay him top cornerback money when he does hit the market in a couple of years. And if they are moving on from to So I would like to see it a little bit, especially give him a chance to bounce back. Cause AJ green took his lunch money uh, one or two times last week, but yeah, I think this is a matchup where it's definitely talent versus talent, but the Broncos corners, as long as the pass rush is doing anything, should be able to do enough. And Derek Carr's throwing up some dumb throws right now. I don't know. He's he's playing a little bit spooked. I don't know if I'm going to get into Derek Carr up here a little bit more, but playing a little bit spooked. So I definitely think the Broncos got a chance to get after that turnovers because they haven't had a turnover, let alone win the turnover battle, it seems like, in a couple weeks. Now they had one against the Patriots, didn't they? Either way, they get they gotta win that turnover battle for freaking once. It's been way too long. That's something that kills me as a fan and analyst. You gotta get those turnovers and defense isn't doing it right now, but I guess this is a week where they may get it because Derek Carr plays like a gunslinger. He's not afraid to throw a tight one and that can lead to turnovers and maybe give Talib a chance for a pick six. We haven't had one since week one. It's it's time. Definitely time. Agreed. Well, let's let's move on to our second key matchup of the game here. And and for me, that would be the Bronco Tackles versus Mac Edwards and Irvin. And, and this is, again, kind of that maybe two units that have been very disappointing. Mac is still very, very good. Don't get me wrong. But he's still, statistics-wise, having a little bit more of a down year compared to years past. And, and, and a big part of that is they are playing from behind most games. He doesn't have the opportunity to, to go get after the quarterback as much. Just I mean, it's the same thing with Von Miller this year. Everybody that keeps talking about Von Miller's having a down year, no, it's, it's, he's having a very good year. Maybe one of his best. You and I have talked about that quite a bit on this podcast. That just because he doesn't have the sacks doesn't mean that he's not having a good season. He's being double teamed, triple teamed on some plays, and he's just not getting the opportunities to go after the quarterback. The obvious opportunities when your team is up seven, fourteen points in a game. And and so yeah, for Mac, he's he's been having a little bit statistically a down year. But Edwards and Urban, they haven't really done a whole lot either. And I think they, they really have no interior pass rush. So it really comes down to can the Bronco tackles hold up against Mac Edwards and Irvin. And, and we we've seen in the past, Mac doesn't actually even need anybody on the other side to completely destroy a game. I've never seen an edge rusher other than maybe the, the Super Bowl with Von Miller absolutely be the reason that they won the game. Yeah. Maybe that matchup of Mac versus Michael Schofield, but I, I hear you. That's right. Definitely, that's, that's what yeah, I'm talking but, about. Other than Von other Miller's. Than yeah. Uh, of just yeah. if you look back at the game, you can say this is the absolute reason that their team won the game because their offense was terrible that game for the Raiders. The rest of the defense didn't really do a whole lot, but just Mac just wrecking a game plan. And some of that's on Kubiak and, and his staff for not adjusting. <laughs> that was one of the worst game plans to stop one player I've ever seen in my life. They pretty much just said, We don't care if Mac beats us, but. Anyway, this game, they, they've been given a lot more help. The Broncos have done a lot better, but this is going to be key because Bowles, he really has been struggling the last month. He started out showing so much promise, and he's still doing pretty good in the run game, but pass blocking wise, I haven't been all that impressed. Have you? No, I, I really haven't. He's been struggling with pass blocking. I feel like he's not engaging with the, the strike zone of defenders very well. Um, his hand timing is late when he's blocking, and when he does get squared away, He's really struggling with his core strength. He's getting bull rushed pretty frequently. And I think it was the just last week he gave up three hurries and a QB hit. Not a sack, but I mean pressures count. So I definitely he's been struggling in pass blocking. I'm expecting it. I was always expecting him to struggle somewhat in pass blocking year one. 
uh, while the technique got better and he adds strength. And I'm expecting a, a decent jump next season. But right now he's looking more like a right tackle than a left tackle out there. And it's definitely hampering the passing game. But Connor Williams. Yeah, Connor Williams. We'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> but I definitely think he's looking more like a right tackle right now. But I do love the athleticism, the attitude, and the run blocking, you know, that's still very valuable. And he's doing a great job run blocking. He just needs to continue to get stronger and more technical. And I'm expecting to see a jump this year. But on that left side, you know, going against Irvin, uh, Edwards, any of those edge rushers that the Raiders have, if there's any talent that the Raiders have on defense, it's Edwards, Irvin, and Mac, because that back seven is God flipping awful. But that could be an issue for the Broncos offensive line, and it could be an issue for the Broncos quarterback. So definitely going to need to watch it. And I'm, I'm just, I'm really hoping that we don't see uh, Alan Barber at right tackle. Alan Barber at right tackle is the single worst offensive lineman I've seen the Broncos play this year. Well, besides maybe when Donald Stevenson went against Mac for that one play, then it was immediately out. But Alan Barber is not a tackle, bro. Oh my God. His game last week was just horrible. Granted, Carlos Dunlap is probably the absolute worst type of defensive end that Barber could go against because Carlos Dunlap is what a six seven, two hundred and eighty pounds with great length and a decent athlete for that size. Mm-hmm. Barber is a shrimp out there at right tackle. Really lacks the length to hold that edge and just not the not the strongest guy. Decent feet, pretty technical in his hands and his movement, but just lacks the size, the strength to handle a guy like Dunlap. And Dunlap what did Dunlap have two sacks and three QB hits, four QB hits? Something like that. It was it was yeah, pretty he, bad. Yeah. I mean he he needed to buy Exton or <laughs> buy Brock Osweiler lunch after that, after hitting him so many times. That's just not that's not fair. It's not nice. So I, I'm hoping to see maybe Cyrus Culiandro, uh, who they just picked up from free agency, uh, former second round pick of the Bills from Alabama. Maybe he'll get a chance at right tackle. Or I'd love to see undrafted free agent uh, Elijah Wilkin- Wilkinson get a chance as well from UMass. Yeah, we, we've so, been we've been hearing some really good things about him in practice. And, and again, it's it's practice, so it's not real live game speed, those kind of things. But he's been one of the few to really impress the coaches, especially going against Von Miller. So at this point, since it is evaluation time, can can he do much worse than what Barber's been showing? I, I guess does, so. <laughs> if he does but, do worse, at least we'll know. Right, right. Like, right. Yeah, exactly. You, you absolutely – this is the thing I keep telling people. Of At this point, there are things that you know about this team. Trevor Simeon, not the quarterback of the future. Brock Osweiler, not the future quarterback of the future. You just you got to go start figuring out next year, right? Exactly, and and Barber at right tackle. You know that he's not the future of that position. He doesn't work there. So at least go give the young guys maybe at least a chance to go show that they have something, at least that they can be maybe be quality backups for next year. And maybe you just get absolutely lucky and they prove to be a quality starter because you're trying to answer the questions of what do we need next year? Broncos right now, they they have a lot of needs heading into next season, especially if some of the players that we're hearing that are going to be cut, it's just going to add all that much more. And if you can answer some of those questions, that's why Paxton Lynch, the odds of him becoming the quarterback of the future for the Broncos, very slim. If you read my article, I say that I, I'm the biggest Paxton Lynch fan out there, but I understand it is very slim that he is going to be the quarterback of the future. But it is absolutely in the best interest of the Broncos for him to be that. That is best case scenario for the Broncos right now for these next six games that Paxton Lynch can be the quarterback. Because if you answer that question, there's so many more dominoes that fall for the rest of the team. Right tackle. Again, if you can answer that question with Wilkinson or Cyrus Cuyandro. There we go. I'll let, yeah, you're, you're better at that than I am. If he, if either of those two guys prove to be a starter quality right tackle for you, again, that's one less need that you need to go out there and find either through free agency or the draft or trade. That's huge. 
that that really changes everything that you have to do for the rest of the offseason. So that's why you start doing the evaluation process. That's why you go with Connor McGovern starting to play maybe right guard and and see what maybe he can bring. I'm not saying bench Leary. I'm saying move Leary to left guard and see if Connor McGovern can run right guard position. You just you need the answers to these questions so you can begin to solve the the riddle of how does the offseason go? And you and I, well, I think we're both almost kind of giddy about the offseason that we're about ready to have. This is kind of that 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 couch GM's dream job of rebuilding the entire team. I don't know. I, I'm I'm kind of giddy just to see what what we can do this offseason and just to see the changes that are, are coming ahead. I, I know that's terrible to say because I, I hate to see one, I hate to already give up on this season. But two, I also know that, that means players' jobs are being cut and some players that I really like. There are some players I know that probably aren't with this team that I, I really do like. But no, I, I, I do. I'm kind of hoping that they make a change there at that right tackle position this year, this week, and, and just see maybe if something better can be put out there. Yep, I am with you 100%. I was actually debating, talking about this very topic with Eric Trickle on the Huddle Up Draft podcast, which we're going to record right after this. But I, I'm with you 110%. It's time to evaluate the young guys. And honestly, the wins or losses, and you want to win games, but when we're out of the playoffs, wins and losses don't really matter as much. It's It's more about getting those young guys experience, having them grow and figuring out what you have on this team, because right now you need to be thinking about 2018. You know, obviously you still want to prepare and match up against the guy you're going against. Cause these guys are playing for their future. They're going out there and earning that check every week. But as an organization, this team's not making the playoffs at three and seven right now. I mean, what are they right now? The fifth overall pick in the draft, the fourth overall pick in the draft. So a lot of holes and you got to see what these young guys have. So you're talking about McGovern, Wilkinson, Kwanjo, uh, who they just brought in. Uh, D'Angelo Henderson, Austin Trailer, who actually played decently last week. Glad to see him get a chance. Brendan Langley, Jamal Carter, Demarcus Walker, et cetera, et cetera. These guys need to get reps because we need to figure out what we have there. And, you know, if they're, they're ready or not, it's not like the tight race to win the division. You know, it's not like one mistake by a young guy is going to cost the team from going in the playoffs at this point. So let's see what those young guys have. It's not tanking. I, I refuse to tank, even though I'd like to have a high draft pick. I refuse to tank. That's a loser's mentality, in my opinion. But you got to get those young guys out there, coach them up, make sure they're improving, understanding, learning on the fly, and we'll see where it falls out. I like it. I like it a lot. Hey, gang, Chad again. The fellas still have a lot to get to, but first, we want to say thank you to our sponsor, Morty, M-O-R-T-Y, the newest and smartest way to get a home mortgage. If you've ever bought a home, you know that the mortgage process can be some of the most confusing and painful hours of your life. Take it from me as somebody who has gone through that process The simpler it can be, the better. And Morty makes it fast and easy. Morty not only simplifies the process, but they help you find the smartest mortgage that's right for you. Just input your information into Morty's secure website, and in less time than it takes to hear this ad, you can shop qualified rates from different lenders. With Morty, you'll get real loan options in minutes without ever being called or sold to by a mortgage broker. And by shopping loans from different lenders, you're able to pick up the rate and term that best fits your needs. In addition to that, Morty can automatically generate a pre-approval letter online for you in minutes, which will help you speed up the home buying process and talk confidently to realtors and sellers. Morty wants to save you money. At Morty, there are no commission salespeople, so their experts exist solely to get you the best deal possible. If you ever get stuck or have questions, someone from Morty's team is always ready to assist you over real-time chat or on the phone. So whether you're a first-time home buyer looking to refinance or buying an investment property, Head over to trymorty.com slash huddle to get started today. 
That's T-R-Y-M-O-R-T-Y, trymorty.com slash huddle. Morty Inc. is a licensed mortgage broker, equal housing lender, NMISconsumeraccess.org, number 142-9243. Well, that brings us to our, our third of the key matchups for this game. And and this one, I I put it in our notes more just as kind of a, a joke. I don't know. Maybe that's a, a bad way to say it. But Marshawn Lynch versus the Broncos front seven. And I put this because... I had so many Raider fans this offseason telling me that Marshawn Lynch was going to be the the key piece that got them over the top to the Super Bowl. I, I had so many to say it's not even about whether he's a good rusher or not. Just the, the leadership that he brings to our locker room is going to be such a huge deal. And I look at him now and I'm going, you're four and six and Marshawn Lynch is doing terrible. He's got 390 yards on the season at four yards per carry, which I guess isn't the worst numbers ever, but it's still for a guy that you thought was going to come in and and be the savior of your organization. He is not even close to that. And he has no games over hundred yards this year. And they really haven't even used him a whole. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy-efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com rebates. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Lot. He's after the first week, he had 18 carries the first week. He hasn't had more than 14 carries in a game since then. So he's just, he's not hardly being used. The Raiders don't even use the run game a whole lot. This is one area where I say that this is the one of the biggest differences between the Raiders last year compared to this year. They have completely abandoned the run game. They are bottom five in, in carries per game. And some of that's because they've been getting behind pretty early in games. But still, there's there's been a lot of games where they've just abandoned the run game way too fast. And that was a big reason McCoy was let go here in Denver. Elway and Joseph both kind of thought, hey, Broncos are supposed to be a running team. We have a running offensive line that's, that's much better at blocking as, a, as run blockers than pass blockers. We have, I guess you would say, a three-headed monster with Jamal Charles, C.J. Anderson, and, and Devontae Booker that can all carry the rock and do pretty well with it. And yet we still go out there and throw the ball all over the place or so abandon the run game after the first couple scores of the game. So again, this is, uh, this is more of kind of my haha Raider fans matchup, I guess I'd say, but I guess what, what have you thought about with the Raiders using Marshawn Lynch this year? It could be an issue with the defense being so bad that they fall behind and had to play catch up. I'm sure that's definitely part of it because the Raiders defense is God awful, but I think it's definitely, they've, they've gone away from their identity as an offense. It's been a hog molly 350 pound plus not really 350 pounds, but I mean, they're, they're huge on the offensive line, running the ball effectively. I mean, I understand Marshawn Lynch is not a world beater, but he's still averaging 4.5 yards a carry. You know, that's that's pretty darn solid. And even if you don't have Marshawn Lynch getting a bunch of carries, kind of like the Broncos have Jamal Charles on a pitch count, somewhat limited, you got Jalen Richards and um, other backs there as well that, I mean, even though they're not prototype, you know, between the tackles, with that offensive line, you, you got to give running backs 
a chance to control the flow of the game. And it's just not happening right now with Musgrave leaving or anything like that. But it definitely is a big uh, step back for the Raiders offensively. And I think because of it also, it makes that defense a lot more vulnerable. They're not controlling the flow of the game because they're not running the ball as much or as effectively. And this in turn means the games are going to be longer, more possessions for the other team and just falling behind. So I really hope this isn't the week that the Raiders decide, you know what, we're a running football team, and they come out and start punching in the mouth again because that offensive line is capable of doing that. You know, they have Donald Penn, uh, Clichio Simile, uh, Rodney Hudson, Gabe Jackson, and who's their right tackle? Didn't he did, Newhouse was their, their right tackle, but did he get hurt? Yeah, he's I think, been... I think he's playing, though, isn't he? They also play Vettel Alexander somewhat out there. David Sharp, another guy. So they, I mean... He was he they was have, inactive for the Raiders game, or for the okay, sorry, I guess the so. Raiders game, the Patriots, Patriots game. Yeah, so they have Marshall Newhouse. Not sure if he's going to be active yet. They have backups, uh, but all Alexander, who was a seventh round pick, uh, fourth round pick this last year. David Sharp, you know these these massive, massive run blocking offensive linemen, and they're just getting away from it. So I definitely like if I was a Raiders fan, you know, get back to running the running the football and controlling the game that way, and then opening up the vertical pass game with that play action because you have the receivers to do that, and Derek Carr's got the arm to do it. They've been this season, and the whole unit looks worse for it. I wonder if a little bit plays into it, the the money side of things. Of uh, you go out and make Derek Carr the most, the highest paid NFL player in NFL history. Until Matt Stafford got paid. Yeah, until he got paid. But still, <laughs> you're, you're talking now still top two, three paid quarterbacks or, well, just NFL players in general. And all of a sudden, it's kind of, well, we're going to put the, the franchise on you. I remember... A little bit with the uh, the Ravens when they paid Joe Flacco, and all of a sudden they started trying to throw the football a lot more until until Kubiak really showed up. Then Kubiak really brought back the run game for him, and they had a playoff season and looked really good. Actually, had a top ten offense, and then Kubiak leaves, and again they go back to trying to really air it out. At least from what I've watched of the Ravens, but I think some of that plays into it. If you pay this guy, you kind of expect him to go out there and win you win you some games. And right now, Carr is kind of showing he still needs a running game. And this really – all young quarterbacks. You're seeing it now with, with Dak Prescott. He's lost some talent with Elliott being suspended, Tyron Smith being injured, and he's just not playing very well. I don't think Broncos drafting Dak Prescott over Paxton Lynch, all of a sudden Dak comes in and is this amazing savior or has the kind of season that he did for Dallas last year for the Broncos as a rookie. Just we didn't have the talent that he had there. And he wasn't asked to do as much because he had Elliott running. And so I, I wonder if that plays into it a little bit. Money talks in the NFL. Yeah, that's a good point. But, I mean, obviously, new offensive coordinator, new scheme, that probably makes as big of a difference, if anything, as well. Yeah. And, you know, offensive people and general managers want to prove themselves right. So when you give that guy that money, well, let's get in that MVP season. And then you have this. So, But granted, also, I still think him – playing from behind with a terrible defense really hurts him. So they're, they're forcing him to play catch up and throw footballs that he shouldn't have to throw and just developing some bad habits because he's trying to play catch up the entire time. That makes sense. Makes sense. So our final key, key matchup of the game is Bill Musgraves versus Del Rio and no longer Ken Norton Jr., but John Pagano. Now that name might sound very familiar to, to Bronco fans because he was the former Chargers defensive coordinator and was brought into to Oakland to be their defensive assistant or defensive assistant and an assistant head coach is the other part of, of his title. And they sometimes do this for guys who have, I guess, taken a step back, but they still want them to feel respected, put on that assistant head coach 
kind of title, I guess you would say. But I, I remember he put together some pretty decent defenses there with the Chargers. Yeah, I, I remember did. he frustrated the Broncos, especially Peyton Manning. Yes. He was like one of the few defensive coordinators that seemed to really have Peyton Manning's number a little bit, not not fully, but at least a little bit. Yeah, he was a very good linebacker coach. He was definitely one of the people. I don't. This name might bring back some bad memories. He had a short career, but a very dominant career while he was playing. But Sean Merriman was one of the guys who worked very close with Pagano at San Diego. And with the success of the Chargers, edge rushers, and linebackers, in that scheme, he was eventually promoted to defensive coordinator because they didn't want to lose him. And he was fired in uh, 2016 with that new um, new regime coming in. But he was brought into the Raiders and brought in to be an assistant head coach and defensive consultant. And now he's taken over for Ken Norton Jr. So this is a pretty pretty darn interesting matchup. It really is. And and this is, I always say when when a new coordinator gets hired midseason, you, you just really have no idea what they're going to try to do to change things. I'm very, very interested to to see what Musgrave's going to do a little bit different, and we're going to talk about that here in just a little bit. But I thought maybe I'd just give a little bit of Musk uh, of background here for our listeners of who Musgraves is, because I know we know he was the offensive coordinator for the Raiders this past couple years, but he's got kind of an interesting history, and he's actually even got some connections to the Broncos themselves. And so, just a little little bit of history for him: he was a player, a quarterback for University of Oregon and was drafted in the fourth round by the Cowboys. And was he actually ended up being a backup to John Elway for a couple of years during the 95-96 season. He was that third quarterback for the Broncos. And then he even had a time where he was in the same training camp with Peyton Manning in 1998. He didn't make it through training camp to the actual season and ended up coaching that year. But it just kind of some some ties to the Broncos here. And, and why I think John Elway, I know he was one of John Elway's guys, that John El- that Elway wanted to bring in. I, I've heard mixed reviews of who brought in McCoy. Was it Elway? Was it was it Joseph? But I do know Musgraves was Elway's guy. And so it really does, it shouldn't shock Bronco fans that Elway really wanted to get to Musgraves being the offensive coordinator, especially with how the offense has been playing. But again, this is a guy, he's kind of bounced around the league. He's worked with the Eagles, Panthers, Jaguars, Redskins, Falcons, Vikings, and of course now the Denver Broncos. And he was the offensive coordinator for the Raiders, Vikings, Jaguars, Panthers, and then he also even spent two years at the college level for the University of Virginia, where he worked with Matt Schaub. That's a name that I haven't heard in a while. And so I guess starting off, Nick, what do you think about this move to, to promote Musgrave and fire McCoy? I think it's definitely surprising. But from what I've heard from inside the team, McCoy was brought in to be a guy who, you know, was flexible with the scheme, you know, match your scheme to the personnel you have, put the guys that you have in your system to spots where they're most likely to succeed. And that's something that we were preached on with Mike McCoy. That's something that he did with Tebow, uh, but apparently wasn't doing that. I mean, he had a very complicated playbook. He was very holding very fast with that 11 personnel, not using two tight end sets, not really using Janovich, even though that sounds like Elway and some others in the front office wanted him to do that and be a little bit more dynamic. And I think this also I mean, I don't want to call him a scapegoat, but Musgraves has been working very closely with Paxton Lynch throughout the offseason and during the regular season, getting him ready, working on the playbook with him. And I think that with Paxton Lynch, you know, being named the starter, I think it just it makes total sense. So I'm excited to see what he'll do. He's known for having a pretty simplified playbook. Frustrating if you're seeing the same plays multiple times in a row. That said, I think it's good for Paxton. More simple in terms of the type of scheme that they're going to be using and just the passes, the passing concepts that he's going to be asked to use. But I'm also excited to see if he's going to bring in some more like RPOs, 
Um, and just the straight up option, you know, where reverse options, you know, I, I think it's going to be much more a college in the type of scheme, especially some run concepts that we'll see. But I think with Paxton Lynch's skill set and other teams not really having much tape on it, that really gives this Bronco team a chance to surprise and shock some teams down the stretch and potentially put up a better offense than what we've seen this year, at least more exciting. And I don't think I've had some people tell me that the college system just doesn't work in the NFL. And to a point, I, I kind of agree with that. I've had some people tell me that they they would hate to see the Broncos just switch to a complete college system, which I mean, I, I do agree with. And and they've also said that they just don't see how that's going to work in the NFL. And that's where I, I really disagree, because I do think there are a lot of teams running a lot more college concepts. Quarterbacks coming out of college, really, most players coming out of college, they're, they're used to that college system. They're used to the simplified playbook. And so when you hand them that traditional playbook, it's kind of like, what, what is this? Uh, I don't know what to do with this. It's, <laughs> and so I guess I really don't mind them going to something like that. I think that it can be very explosive. I think it can be very difficult to game plan for as a defense of who has the ball when three or four different people could have the ball in a certain play. And, and again, if you're playing to the strengths of your player, why not go ahead and try this out? Just see what Paxton can do with it. See if this offense can, can really become at least halfway dynamic again. It, it's lacked anything. You want to talk about the college system not working? Well, the pro system hasn't worked here either an utter failure, <laughs> obviously. That's why the offensive coordinator got fu- got fired. So I don't mind them switching it up. I, I, think, it's a, I think it's a good idea. And I, I think you can run both, a little bit of pro concepts and college concepts. Even, even the Patriots, they run that spread college system. They just don't do it with a running quarterback. It's almost an air raid. Right, right, exactly. So... I don't know. I, I just think that's that's a smart thing to do with the, the players you have. And, and it's kind of the way the NFL is going right now. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, you saw what the Eagles did to this Bronco defense. And with these quarterbacks, you know, more and more coming out of the air raid or shotgun offense, it's just, it's just the way the league is trending. I still like the two tight end kind of offense that we've seen from the Broncos and other teams. And I think that still can be utilized. But when you have a guy like Paxton Lynch who – has some issues with his footwork, sometimes has issues reading Reading when he's making that drop back. He's much more comfortable from shotgun. Running backs who can run out of shotgun, you guys still got a solid offensive line. Something that the Broncos and other teams should be doing more and more. I mean, it's if it's working in college and these are the type of players that are coming out and you you know, you know have these offensive guys playing faster, not overthinking everything, like can be an issue when you have complicated playbooks, McCoy. Uh, that's something that you want to see. And I'm excited for it. I'd love to see some running options with Lynch. I mean, I don't want him to be a purely running quarterback because hello, AC joint sprain. Don't want to get that again now that we've made this transition, but it's definitely something that needs to be utilized, helps him get comfortable. And I think we're going to see more and more of it going forward. I agree. And I look at the, I look at the college quarterbacks and we're going to talk about them in our, our draft podcast, but there's maybe only one or two quarterbacks that I'd say could really run a, a traditional system day one in the NFL. So whether you're having to adjust for Paxton Lynch or whoever you draft next year. Either way, you're going to have to mix in a lot more college concepts if you really want that young player to to stand a chance of having success right away. I think that's what you want to do. You want to make them comfortable. That's that's a big part of finding success for these quarterbacks is if they're comfortable, they're going to be confident, they're going to be fast, and, and we just haven't seen that. These players have been playing so slow this year because I think a big part of it is they're just questioning whether they're even doing the right thing. So I don't know. I, I am. I'm very excited to see what Musgraves brings to the table. I'm excited what Paxson brings to the table. And I, I've been saying this from the beginning. It's a win-win for the Broncos. 
If Paxton succeeds, it means that you have found your quarterback for the future. Also means you've probably found your offensive coordinator for the future in Musgraves. The answer is one of the coaching questions of the offseason. If he fails, well, that means you get a high draft pick. Because he fails, that means the entire team probably fails. So I just don't see any downside at this point in the season to to Paxton being in the game and just seeing what he can bring to the table. Yeah, I completely agree with you, and we will see what he can do. I'm excited to see Paxton. You wrote that excellent piece on Paxton Lynch, what to look for as a fan, just things that he needs to improve on, You know, accuracy, keeping his eyes down, looking to be a, a runner to buy time to throw instead of just taking off. So I'm excited to see it, and I think it'll be definitely an interesting game. And thank God, I, we don't really have this as a key point, but this Raiders secondary back seven is just God-flipping awful. It, I, I think it is the worst back seven in the entire NFL. I can't think of one's worse. Can you think of one worse off the top of your head? I, I really I, can't right horrible. now. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's horrible. Maybe. You got Bruce Irvin, solid, solid edge rusher, but I mean, it's, that's one strong side linebacker. Navarro Bowman, Bronco fans, everybody who wanted to trade for him, stop it. Get out of here. He looks so old and washed up and slow sideline to sideline. Just, just bad. Not good. Not good. James Corey, the weak side linebacker, sixth-round pick, just not getting it done. David Amerson, not a great scheme fit and getting burnt left and right. Travis Carey, same things, but times 10. Sean Smith not playing well. Uh, rookie draft pick, Obi Melifonwu, looking super raw. I get it, he's a great athlete, Raiders fans, but stiff in the hips and doesn't really have an idea what he's doing coverage-wise right now. Reggie Nelson looks old, and Carl Joseph's a good talent there, but he's more of that. He more plays that T.J. Ward role where he's better in the box a little bit close to the line of scrimmage. When they ask him to go back, he has the athleticism for it, but I don't know if he has the intelligence or discipline for it right now. He's just not comfortable there doing it. So this is a back seven that I'm a little bit worried about the Raiders' pass rush. It's not great, but it's not God-flipping awful. But that back seven is horrible, and if there's any chance for a young rookie or green, I won't say rookie, but young kind of raw quarterback to get a chance to put up some passing yards, it's this week against this Raiders back seven because they are garbage. Exactly. Well, that brings us to our, our next section in, in our podcast, and that is the X factor. And last week, the player that I picked was Derek Wolf. And I'd say he had his best game of the year. He looked pretty explosive again. He was getting pushed up the, up the middle. Did a good job chasing down, mixing down the line of scrimmage. I saw on a couple different plays. Impressed with Wolf. I, I've been kind of down on him this year. I thought maybe the the extra weight wasn't actually a benefit for him. And I thought maybe it took some of his explosion away. And then, of course, he's had his injuries, his ankle injury. If, if anybody remembers, he posted online a picture of his ankle after he messed it up. I think it was in preseason. It was, oh, it was sickening. Did you see a Did you see that picture? Oh, absolutely. I definitely had my uh, my gag reflex checked when I saw that. That was disgusting. Yeah, yeah. So it looks like he really showed well, and he's got a tough matchup this week going against Gabe Jackson, most likely. But if he's got some of that explosion back, I, I look for him to continue to to show what he did this last week. That'd be great for the Broncos for sure to have a interior pass rush. Yeah, absolutely agree with you on that one. And it's going to be a big matchup for him. I do want to say, you know, we we teased this as well that the Derek Wolf looked great last week, but let's be honest, the Bengals' offensive line is one of the bottom three in the NFL. So that definitely helps. So talk about a uh, flip of the switch here, going from the Bengals to the Raiders who have talent, especially on the inside, as good as any team in the NFL. So we'll see what Wolf does this week. But that was a good, that was a good call. My call was Ronald Leary and against mainly against Geno Atkins. And I thought Ronald Leary had a pretty solid game, but that might be because the guy to the right of him was struggling as bad as I've seen him struggle all year. 
I don't know which game was worse. He stunk against Carlos. I'm talking about Alan Barber. I don't know which game was worse. Going against Carlos Dunlap was bad, but man, when he went when he went against Bosa and Ingram, he was just destroyed. So I'm in, I mean, this is a perfect transition right to what I have this week. My X factor this week is whoever's playing right tackle, whether it be Alan Barber, Elijah Wilkinson, potentially Cyrus Cuandro. Uh, we'll see who it is, but that right tackle going against Khalil Mack. If there's any matchup besides you know the obvious quarterback ones that's going to decide this game, it's that. And this this could be a very bad matchup for the Broncos. Cleo Mack, he's having somewhat of a down year this year uh, compared to his Hall of Fame-worthy stats the years before. Uh, at least, you know, put them together 10, 12 years in a row. Let's do that together. That's a Hall of Fame career. That's how great Cleo Mack has been early in his career. But he's been a little bit worse this year, not getting the pressure at the same rate. But he could honestly have a five-sack game if he's going against Alan Barber. He would just absolutely kill Alan Barber. We have been told that the Broncos might be making a pretty drastic switch up on the offensive line. I would guess that means McGovern getting in there somewhere, maybe moving Leary to left guard, told that there's going to be some sort of switch up, but I'm really nervous about this right tackle matchup and whoever goes against Cleo Mack, I really hope the Bill Musgraves and the offensive staff give them as much help as they need because that Cleo Mack can win a game by himself. If you let him, if you give him the chance that, that he does Bronco fans have nightmares of, of him winning a game. Yes. My, my choice. I mean, could I go with anybody else but Paxton Lynch? I mean, he is my boy. <laughs> I just, the Broncos have to have something. You know the, the Raiders are going to do the, put it in Paxton's hands, make him beat them. They're going to work to try to really probably put eight men in the box to stop the run game and say, Paxton, you go throw against these one-on-one coverages and see what you can do. I just, that's what teams have done pretty much all year is dare the Broncos to have their quarterbacks win the game. And obviously so far this year, that hasn't really been much of the case. So I, I'm guessing they're probably going to do a lot of the same. Plus, if they have eight men in the box, it helps to kind of help contain Paxton from taking off running. They're really going to work to make him beat him with his arm. And especially with his, his shoulder injury, you, you want to go test that out. You want to make him have to show that he is actually fully healthy. Because if that shoulder's still a little bit banged up, it, it's not going to take much for one off throw to, to change the game. And it, I think... Isn't there a stat out there? Raiders have zero interceptions this year. They're the first team in NFL history to go through the first 10 or 11 games of the year and not have an interception. I think that's true. I think I remember reading that as well. So yeah, let's, let's not break that trend, Paxson. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they're going to be trying to, trying to make him think fast. That's something the preseason is always good about kind of getting your eyes used to players coming at you quickly at full speed. And he's had 10 weeks off here. (laughs) So his eyes are going to have to speed up real quick. He's going to have to make some very, very quick decisions. And, and I'm just kind of hoping right off the bat, my goal for him is, is try to get him out in space a little bit, just get him used to being back in the game, get him in his comfort zone of being on the run a little bit and buying a little extra time, dividing the field in half with about two or three reads, a high, low read of who do you hit. And if they're not open, you take off running. Just make some some simple reads for him to start off the game so he can make some quick decisions and and get into a little bit of rhythm. That's that's what I want to see for the Broncos this this week. And I guess that brings us a little bit to our our next segment here of game plan mode. And I have the offense and oh my goodness, it, it's kind of crazy to think uh, there's just so many different ways that things can go this week for the Broncos in this offense because you change up quarterback, you change up offensive coordinator and just so many things are open now, especially with, with Paxson's athleticism. And again, that's, that's what I'm working to take advantage of. I'm working to, to make some option, option opportunities for him of either I can take off running or I can do a quick pass. We're going to talk about a guy tonight in a quarterback named Finley 
who they like to do a play where he does the option run, then he kind of sprints out towards the sideline. And if the defenders come crashing down on him, he hits the wide receiver in the flat. And if they don't, he takes off running. And I, I just, I like some of those kind of play designs, especially for Paxton. Again, you're just trying to make some easier decisions of, do I take off running or do I throw it out here to this quick pass for the receiver to take it down the field? I just, I see the Broncos trying to mix in some of that. And, and again, I don't think mixing in college concepts is the worst thing in the world for the Broncos. Obviously the pro system hasn't worked very well. Can't get much worse than what we've already seen. So mix in some things and it's okay. Get them on the run. Uh, rely on your run game because this, this Raider defense, it's not just that their back seven is bad. They're bad against the run too. So again, I think this is a game where the run game can really take over and then rely on the pack play action or the option pass game and and see what you can do see if maybe you can get something out of this offense that hasn't been there in the past plus that also helps your offensive line or your yeah your offensive line because the defense is having to guess they're having to pause for a second of who has the ball and two is Paxton going to take off running or is he going to drop back and pass that's a great way to help your offensive line yeah I'm kind of envious of you this week with all the options with Paxton coming in I feel like the defense it's the same thing Every week, even though they're not executing like you'd hoped, it's it's pretty simple. You know, you, you have to stop the run. Raiders still are a team with a great offensive line up front that if you let them run on you, you're going to have a bad time. You got to go hit Derek Carr. Again, tougher, easier said than done. Tough matchup with a solid offensive line. But I'm looking to be very physical with the wide receivers, and I'm also looking to be very physical with Jared Cook. Like you said, Jared Cook's the number one leading receiver uh, in terms of yardage for this team, and the Broncos have struggled there. So I'm looking... Maybe get Jamal Carter some reps there, Will Parks, and be very aggressive. Todd Davis and Brandon Marshall have struggled in pass coverage, so I'm looking to play the zone when I have the two linebackers on the field just to not isolate them because I feel like anytime one of those guys is isolated against a tight end in man coverage, the results end up pretty poor. But if you have those safeties on the field, obviously you need to mix up a little bit, but if you have those safeties on the field, the three-safety look, be playing man because Parks, Carter, whoever, they're athletic enough to match up with Cook stride for stride. So be very aggressive, hit car, and gosh darn it, just get some turnovers. I like it. And that, that kind of brings us to our what to watch for section. And I see that you put down, and, and this is such a big one that's been a part of this the six-game skid, turnovers. That, that's what to watch for this week. It's not only just about our team but protecting the football, but getting some turnovers again, getting some short field. It's, it's just been, it's been a nightmare, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. That's so big, especially for a young quarterback. If you can flip the field, you know, not have to constantly five because the team's punting you back there every time, especially when you have a really good punter like King for the Raiders, you got to get some short fields and you got to take advantage of those short fields. But the Broncos have not been getting those short fields this year. Uh, It's partially because our offense is stunk. So other teams are playing more conservatively on offense. But I think Carr is somebody he's aggressive enough. He's a gunslinger where you're going to get some chances. And you better gosh darn execute on those chances. Tlaib dropping that pick last week, 2015, he takes that to the house. This year, drop pass for an incompletion. So they need to really get the football, get some execution. Maybe see another Justin Simmons jumping 50 feet in the air for to pick one off. But they not only do the Broncos need to protect the football, but the defense needs to start creating some turnovers as well. And they've been really struggling with that. Kind of cyclical when they're when you're dry, it feels like you can't ever get a pick or a fumble. But when you're when it's going well, it seems like every single other play can be picked off and you're getting turnover after turnover. So it's time to flip those fortunes, start being more aggressive on defense and just get that football, give Paxton a short field, give the offense a short field and be aggressive and go attack the football. Boom. I like it. Yeah. Easier said than done, obviously this year. Absolutely. But it's got to happen. 
It's got to happen. Yeah, they've no. won 30 games in a row when they've won the turnover battle. Exactly. And even if, even if you're playing clean football on offense, you got to create turnovers too to win the turnover battle. And it's just not happening right now. Yeah, big one for the Broncos. And my watch watch for this week really is, uh, I've already talked about it a lot, it's, is play calling. New coach, new quarterback. Please tell me it's going to be different than the last few weeks. <laughs> they can't keep doing the same thing. And, and I think Joseph even talked about this a few weeks back of, isn't that the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and expecting different results? It's, it's just kind of where things have been this year of, you talked about it, running that 11 personnel, three wide. And I think they have, I think, eight interceptions to only like two touchdowns out of that kind of formation in the red zone. I can't remember if that's, that's quite, quite true, but it, it's been terrible. I know they've had a lot of picks, a lot more picks than, than touchdowns out of that formation. And I think even Mark Schlereth did a video on this for YouTube of showing just how bad the Broncos are out of 11 personnel. So it, it's, it's obvious to everybody except for the Bronco people who are pl- calling the plays. It seems like McCoy, <laughs> he's just, he's been very, very stubborn this year, which is so crazy. Because, like you said, he was brought in to be that guy that could adjust, that could really transform the offense around the talent. And he just pretty much said, nope, you're going to run my offense. I'm going to make you be Peyton Manning. I'm going to make you be Phillip Rivers. And we don't have anybody like that at all, not even close. So, again, just kind of very frustrating. So I'm, I'm just I'm excited. I really am. I just there's a new breath of fresh air with this Bronco team and just seeing what could maybe happen. And again, I, I don't know if things are going to be different. I don't know if all of a sudden the Broncos are going to turn a corner and start showing that they are a team with with more talent than people are giving them credit for. But you just obviously can't keep doing the same thing and and be okay with it. That's not John Elway's way of doing things. It's never been the Broncos' way of doing things. It's always, hey, if something's wrong, we're going to go out and we're going to work to fix it. So I'm just excited to see what they do with that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's definitely going to be a big thing play calling. I'm, I'm really excited. I'd love to see just some exciting plays, you know, get a trick play in there, get a flea flicker, have a wide receiver pass where Paxton, you know, pitches it to Demarius Thomas and you have Paxton running down the sideline. I mean, what is he six, seven? You let him play like a tight end, let him go up and get one. He jumped pretty well at the combine too, if I recall. So, and he's got long arms, so screw it. I mean, what do you, the season's pretty much over in terms of playoff hopes, go out there and evaluate, but also go have some fun. You know, let's make Bronco football fun again. It's been a while feel like we're a lot of frustration to see fans, to see media people even get a little, little snippy and it's, it's time to make Bronco football fun again. And Paxton, I think he can bring that. So maybe he'll stink. And it's again, back to the pit of misery, dilly dilly, but <laughs> fingers crossed. We can just, let's just have it be fun again. And this, that's right. There's not much more fun than a Broncos win over the Raiders. So let's go get that. Even though it kind of hurts our draft situation. Now before yeah, we I, get out, oops, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, uh, go ahead. You just go ahead into that. Now, before we get out of here, we want to say thank you once again to our sponsor, Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Again, that's www.audibletrial.com backslash huddle up. Great way to take in a book, you know, on your morning commute or driving with the kids. You know, let's put on something educational. Are you tired of listening to the wheels on the bus go round and round for the 300th time? Well, after you're done listening to the Huddle Up podcast... Go over to Audible and put on a book where you and the whole family can enjoy. All right, Carl. Well, the last segment here, before we get on out of here, got to be the prediction. And I'm going to make you go for this first this week. Oh, boy. Well, that way the, I can copy your score for once. The the Homer Paxton fan in me says 42 to 3. Wow. But, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I'm not that crazy. Um, I, I will say, I'll say 24 21 lose. Raiders being at home. 
Paxson's first day game back. I just, I think people have to temper their expectations a little bit because this is almost kind of like a preseason game for Paxton. I'm just trying to get his feet back underneath him. So I think there are going to be some struggles. I think there are going to be some, some deer in the headlight moments. And I know that people are going to jump down his throat of see this guy's trash. Well, it's just sometimes it takes a little bit to get back into the game. You don't just all of a sudden get off the bus and you're ready to go run a marathon. So I, I just, I think Raiders have a little bit more to play for. Broncos are going to be doing a little more evaluation side of things. Not saying that they're not trying to play for the win, but just some other players that they're going to try to get in. So again, 24-21, Broncos lose, but very, very close game. They're competitive. I feel you. I feel you. I also have the Broncos losing, unfortunately. 27-17. to I think Lynch shows some flashes, but I also think he shows some of those inconsistencies that have people very frustrated. Some great throws deep, you know, showing off the athleticism, but also at the same time missing out some of those guys in the flats or the easy throws where it's just like, man, that was a whack throw. What are you doing? What's wrong? So those, mainly the footwork, you know, not being great, not being connected to the entire throwing motion. But I think the Broncos end up losing 27 to 17. Derek Carr and the Raiders offense just in the end is moves the ball a little bit too effectively for the Broncos offense to keep up. And the Broncos lose their seventh game in a row to fall to three and eight on the season, which is pretty darn rough. But hey, that at least that means the Huddle Up Draft podcast and all our takes on there are going to be a little bit heavier this year, you know, have a little bit more, a little bit more fun to talk about the top guys. That's for sure. But also people are going to hold us a little bit more accountable. I'm guessing we're going to have a little bit more ears on those draft podcasts. So better step your game up, Carl. Oh boy. Here we go. Yeah. Although you were, you were with me last year on the offensive line takes. We weren't Christian McCaffrey or bust like some people were. So, Mm -hmm. and so far I think we've been proven pretty right. He's been good and just not, I guess that's not, I don't know, not trade up, two first round picks to be able to get them kind of thing. Would this team be in the playoffs with McCaffrey and minus Garrett Bulls? So picture Donald Stevenson, a left tackle <laughs> and no, no first round pick this year. Oh my God. Imagine if we didn't have our first round pick this year and we were sucking this bad. Oh boy. Oh, people would be calling for Elway's head. How could you do that? I would How be could calling you trade for, for head. Well, yeah, I would be too. I would be that guy, but it'd be some of the same people who said we need to trade up for McCaffrey. And then all of a sudden, yeah, why did we true. trade up for McCaffrey? He's a running back. So no, I, I, we might be a worse record than we are right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's unfortunately very true, but I guess we dodged a bullet there and we have at least one young offensive tackle. Maybe, maybe we'll add another one. I don't know. We'll see. That's kind of where I'm trending right now. I'm very much in the Connor Williams fan fan club, especially, I don't know if you got a chance to watch what he did against West Virginia, but man, it was, it was top 10 pick worthy. It, it was, it definitely was. I, I did see one play where he kind of whiffed. He kind of put his head down and tried to drive through a guy. But other than that, he was spot on. Very, very impressed with him. First game back since week three. Didn't look like he missed a game. So we'll, we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully we'll be there. On the next draft episode, we're going to do a quick top 10 mock draft for the top 10 team. So we'll see how we're going to divvy that up. But maybe Connor Williams end up on the Broncos. We'll see. But that's going to wrap up this week 12 preview episode of the Scouts Eye Preview Huddle Up podcast. You can find Carl on Twitter at Carl Dumbler MHH and myself on Twitter at Nick Kendall MHH, as well as find our Denver Bronco articles and other content on Mile High Huddle, an affiliate of scout.com and the CBS Sports Digital Network. Today, I wrote an article about just to kind of a look ahead on the Broncos offensive line. I like to, most of my work is with the trenches. That's where my heart is. That's my favorite area to watch and play and coach and everything like that. So looking ahead at the Broncos options to improve the offensive line next offseason and kind of the young guys this year. And I will just say the next year's free agent options for the offensive line, especially offensive tackle, are bad enough to make you want to puke just reading the names. So I'll let you guys see it when it comes out. But it's 
the offensive tackle is not great for free agency. So Broncos may have to look elsewhere if they want to improve that area. What about you, Carl? Do you have anything else coming out soon? You had mentioned uh, an article idea not too long ago. And and it's kind of interesting now that some of the news that came out about Demarius Thomas and the possible trades. And and I do know the Broncos are kind of, his career is kind of winding down here in Denver. He's not the same player he was three years ago. But I also think he is a player that has been misdiagnosed as a, as what's the word I'm looking for over the hill or not worthy or not, not worth keeping on the team. And so I, I want to do a little film review of Demarius Thomas and just show maybe it's not all him. Maybe there are a lot of things going on behind the scenes or, or even not even just behind the scenes on the field where he is open, but we just haven't had the quarterbacks or the protection to be able to get the ball to him. So I think he's a better player than people have been giving him credit for. And I want to do a film review to show that. Well, awesome. I look forward to that. And you can follow the Huddle Up podcast by subscribing on iTunes and for Android users, Stitcher. We also have audio up on YouTube. I always try to get on there and talk with you guys. A lot of fun. Been all love and harmony in the comment section there. So that's great. There's enough trolling on Twitter. So let's, uh, if you guys got questions, I mean, honestly, if you want to troll anybody, troll Eric. He's not on here right now to defend himself. So I will, I'm always about trolling Eric. He likes to give me a hard time too. We actually do like each other but we, our social media selves are very much teasing the heck out of each other. So I like to do that as much as we can. You should follow the account. You can also follow us on Twitter at MileHighHuddle and at HuddleUpPod. Again, please be sure to subscribe and rate us and reach out to us as we love interacting with you guys. For one very excited Paxton Lynch loving fan, Carl Dumbler, I'm Nick Kendall wrapping up another episode of the Huddle Up Scouts Eye Preview Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and we will see you next week. Go Broncos. Go Paxton. Mile high huddle.